This is Rugga Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff from Golf Rugby Report, joined as always by our two favorite coaches, Bruce McLean from, from uh, Iona College and Pat Clifton from Lindenwood, Belleville. That's in Illinois. And we are back with another show for Rugged Matrix America brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions. And we're talking the World Cup. And I guess, you know, we're, we're recording this show right after the end of pool play. Uh, you know, we're, we're fans of the United States national team. United States national team has finished 0-4. And we way back at the beginning, we were talking about how there might be a chance that they go uh, three and one if they were really, really lucky and everything came together, stuff like that. Um, and and one and three, uh, two and two was the the big goal, and one and three was the hope, or or sort of like your what you really think is going to happen. O oh and four is what happened. So um, yeah, guys. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do, do you do you get invested in this? Do you feel uh, annoyed or not surprised or just bored with the whole thing? Uh, I don't know. Well, if we don't get invested, we don't belong on this podcast. Um, <laughs> it's the Rugby World Cup. It's the, the Eagles, you know, the United States. We're, we're all very invested in, in, in American rugby. And uh, so, yeah, we get invested, I think. And uh, I'm disappointed for sure. Um, but at the same time, I guess what I'm annoyed by, and this is, I don't want to completely derail us from the get-go, is just, I guess I'm annoyed by people who are too apocalyptic about what's going on and people who are, like, you know, too optimistic in advance. So, you know, the giant is awakening. We're all going to be there. USA Rugby, the gap is closing. NFL players or caliber players are getting ready to play. Um, that annoys me, and, and so do the people who say that this is the end of it. Mike Tolkien's a buffoon. How can we you know, deal with these sorts of things and we need a new era and usher out a new era and we'll be usher in a new era and we'll be ready to go. I suppose those are things that annoy me, but invested, uh, gutted for the guys who um, have put their lives into this and a significant chunk of their lives into this um, and, and many of the guys that we won't see play rugby again. So um, I guess it's bittersweet. I'm, I'm happy that uh, there were some good moments, though few of them there were, and, and, and gutted for the people that this is their swan song, I guess. Well, you know, uh, I, I've actually, you know, being invested is kind of a funny way to go about it. It's like uh, I try not to be, uh, and I, I remember watching the 1999 World Cup and watching the USA lose to Romania 27-25, and I remember I, I had a hard time sleeping uh, the, that night. I remember I was just really feeling unhappy, unhappy for the team and just sort of stuff like that. And I, I after a while, I just sort of decided I'm not going to be like that because – you know, as a journalist, you're going to see a lot of losses. You know, if you're if you're if you're covering the United States national team, you're going to see them lose a lot of times. So, in in that sense, I kind of I'm much more dispassionate now than I was back then. Um, I could it, it doesn't hurt to watch the replay the way that uh, it it probably did back then. Uh, so, it's just sort of handling that, but uh, at this at the same time. You know, you, you you're right. You you have to you have to look at how people generally react. Um, I kind of thought it was like in 2007, 
I thought the I thought the USA team was disappointing. And yet all we heard was people saying, well, that, you know, sort of making excuses for the team, for the coaching, for everything. And overall, I think I think they were open to some criticism. And I think this year they're, they're in the end there's there's I'm fielding a lot of criticism and I think they're open for it. I think they deserve a lot of criticism. But it's it's just funny because we've been we've been really slow to criticize the team at other times. Hey, they 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 were on four, but they went into a World Cup with if, if you wanted to go to the quarterfinals, this was the bracket you had to be in. There was no other bracket where they had a prayer of getting out of the bracket. This is the one they need to be in, and. The problem with going into a bracket like this was that they had the chance of being 0-4. Like they don't, they didn't have a Namibia or a Canada or a Romania or any or any of those teams. And even and even I know that Georgia won a couple games, but the team that they had beaten was was Georgia. So some of the teams that they had beaten in the past, they had they didn't have in their bracket, but. They had teams that they were capable of beating. Now, granted, Scotland started to get themselves in form, and they had they had had a forty point win over Italy, and and um, Samoa had a very tough and intimidating game with New Zealand, where they played very well, and those things they wound up hitting those people. And, and again, I totally disagree with how the South Africa game was selected. And they got annihilated. And Japan had their storybook World Cup. And everything seemed to, everything didn't go their way, but everything seemed to go their way for a bit. And even against Scotland, they played for 50 or 60 minutes pretty well. And then they fell apart physically from the four-day turnaround. And we had, we're, we're in a decent spot. We're not in a great spot, is and you know I, I said it based on the domestic rugby plan. I think that there's a lot of things that we could do differently and we can do better, and we need to really sit back and assess ourselves and understand whether or not. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of American sports, and I and I kind of like the way <laughs> I kind of like the club thing of American sports. I don't think international rugby is going away anytime soon, but it, you know, some of this, you know, there's 42 million different players playing all these different countries. It's, they're not at the Olympic standard of where you're born and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's, it's almost farcical seeing some of these players on these different countries playing ourselves included. And it, it, International, I would much rather see good clubs where our American players are able to play on Saracens or able to play for the Queensland Reds or for the Western Force or for the, the, the you know, the Chiefs or for the, for the Blues or something like that where we're playing in the best competitions with our best guys and not being edged out based on on uh, international stuff, and you know, to me, I'm not a. The World Cup is great. I'm not a huge fan. It's not. I 
I, I think that the whole that whole pool of Australia, England, and Wales made pool play interesting. And Wales, given what happened to them over the course of their pre-tournament where they had the injuries, given what happened to them in, in, in the tournament where they had injuries, in the England game where they had injuries, that's the thing that made the pool play interesting. All right, before you know, there are a bunch of stuff I want to get uh, to, and I know we all want to get to. Before we do that, uh, let's hear from the guy in charge. Let's hear from Mike Tolkien. Uh, this is him talking right after uh, the final game where they lost twenty-eight eighteen to Japan, and and if you missed it, uh, that's a shame. But uh, it was twenty-five eighteen uh, with time left, and the USA had the ball, uh, but they uh, they weren't able to score that tying try. Um, and so this is Mike Tolkien. I think it was pretty clear that um, we made some, some simple errors early. Uh, and whenever we scored, we allowed ja- Japan back into it. Uh, we muffed up a couple of kickoffs. And, um, you know, we, we had momentum and we let it slip away uh, at critical times. So that was a little bit of our undoing today. I would say the best, uh, the most accurate statement was that we were inconsistent. Uh, in all games, including tonight, we showed moments of, of brilliance, moments of very good play. Uh, certainly, we always had grit, um, but then we let ourselves down with, with simple errors and um, game management at times. So we have we have the the tools there. We just need to put it together for a comprehensive uh, comprehensive period of time. All right. So from Mike talking, nothing earth shaking is pretty pretty obvious, and it doesn't take an expert to watch a game and see the United States score and immediately give back a try uh, and therefore give back momentum. I think anybody who watches any kind of sport or doesn't even watch sports at all can figure that out. Um, and and inconsistency, I, th- I think that's true, not just in terms of harping on uh, you know the first halves being better than the second half or something like that, but I think it's more within the game where you'll see something and say, all right, we're going to go. I mean, it was, it was like 15, 20 phases. And then the USA scored a try, uh, scored their first try. They looked at times just really good. Like all they have to do is keep doing this. I don't understand why they can't keep doing this, but they couldn't. And you compare that say to, uh, for me in terms of entertainment value, the game of pool, the best game of the pool play was the day before Samoa against Scotland, a phenomenal game, and Samoa did not make, I mean, they made some errors, but they didn't make, like, soul-crushing errors, and they continued to play at that intense level, that intensity level, and it just seemed like the USA couldn't quite do it. So, um, I think I think in the end, that's on the coach. I think it's in the end, it's on the coaching staff. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of a lot of the guys in the coaching staff. Pretty much everybody, uh, you know, I think that they've done good things. But when your team is not knows what they're supposed to be doing, supposedly is capable of it, and they show that they're physically capable of it, but they're not doing it on a regular basis, and they have these brain vacations that they go on. Isn't that on the coaching? Yes. I mean, look, every, ultimately, in the way in sports, right or wrong, everything falls on the head coach, period. Right? Every, every win, loss, everything that happens 
in itself on the field falls on the coach. Above that, you can go that, you know, especially in the NFL, you go to the general manager, you go to ownership. But by and large, anything that happens between the white lines falls on the coach. So I don't disagree with you in that point. Um, and, and, but I think there are, I mean, there are, look, I, we've talked about a bunch of different things. I went one way and when we first started and said, I want to talk about some of the players that we may never see again. Bruce went one way and questioning the, 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 the bigness of the World Cup and the, the credibility of the World Cup. And, and, and we're all going different directions here. So I don't want to drive in a completely different direction. But um, I, I think a big issue with the, the States, and I, I don't want to say an overarching issue, is, but the culture of the team, I think, is important. And, and I don't want to overstate that. But I, I think in the last year, as American rugby fans, we've seen how important it was for the seventh team. That they, they, through many efforts, and not that you ever nail culture, but that you got it, you got it fairly right. But you may have 15 guys in that field who have uh, their minds going in different directions. So some guys may be saying, well, what are we playing for? We're playing for nothing. This is uh, this is the last game. You may have other guys saying, well, we're playing for pride. We gave away that game, and I'm all for it. I'm behind my coach. Let's, let's get this game because that's what we sold out for. You may have other guys saying, I'm playing for a contract. You may have other guys saying, what time does my flight leave? I miss my family. So, so all those things, um, regardless, they do fall on a coach, but Sometimes the job's too big for a coach or a coaching staff to fix. And I think once you get some momentum going downhill, like we did in this World Cup, it can be pretty hard to pull the reins back on it and get control of it. So, um, you know, the inconsistencies and the stuff that we saw towards, you know, especially in this game, we're talking about this game specifically, I think, uh, you know, the, the ball just didn't bounce the right way, and, and Japan's a better rugby team than we are. And I, I think that's what it boils down to, not a a coaching error, per se. Well, oh, but isn't isn't culture the coach? I mean, isn't isn't there the shift in the seventh team's culture uh, based on the fact they got a new coach? It is, but I think it permeates beyond that. I think with the seventh, the reason the seventh team is able to control it is because a lot of the variables are the same for the guys on the seventh team, right? The seventh team doesn't have the disparity of this guy makes three hundred thousand dollars playing rugby, this guy just signed a half a million dollar contract with the richest team in the world playing rugby, whereas this guy lives in a tent in some guy's garage, which I've made that statement about in passing about Bauman uh, a couple of times. That's actually true, because Bauman lives in some guy's garage in a tent so he can play in the World Cup. Sam Manoa's just signed a deal that's going to make him the richest rugby player in the history of the United States. So you have that disparity on the 15th team that you don't have in the 7th team any longer. Um if you're not in at the OTC, chances are you've had a conversation about whether you wanted to be at the OTC and it just doesn't work out for you, and that's why you're not there. That's the reason most of the people who aren't at the OTC are. So, so I think that you're just pulling, you're, you're, you're pulling from a, such a different you know, group of people, and that's just one element of it. That's one element of it. And I do think that the, the Olympics has a lot stronger gravitational pull in terms of motivation and, and those sorts of things than the Rugby World Cup does. But... It, I, I, Tolkien's job is harder than Friday's if that's where we're going, um, in my opinion. It's not even close. Tolkien's job's harder than Friday's, but because um, Sevens isn't taken seriously by most of the other nations, I mean, we could sit and say that it is, it's not, and we can agree to disagree. So I'm not going to get into that. Um, the other thing is that I, I disagree with you, Pat, on the fact that. Guys want to go home. Hey, look, they're there. They busted their ass. They're there. They went. They played. 
they played their nuts off. They tried their best, and 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 not you, you can't win every game. And the fact is, we played three teams that were, you know, probably better than us, and we lost three games, and we lost to Samoa by nine. Given that they lost to Scotland, you know that in and around the right result. We lost to Japan by 10, given the fact that they beat South Africa. Not a bad result. And then we lost to, we lost to Scotland. We went in at halftime, and, and, and then they, you know, we made a couple of mistakes and fell apart, and, and, and they put some things in. And, you know, again, given that they beat Italy by 40, it's probably not an, an, an unkind result. And there were a lot of good things that happened in the World Cup. There were a lot of poor things that happened in the World Cup, too. And we never put together a consistent 80 minutes. And and, and there's reasons for that. Um, but uh, there's a lot of it, – it, it's every day for four years. It's not every four years. And, 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 and for the case of most of the players, it's every day for 10 years. And I just don't know that we did that. And we brought, we brought Naguanya back in who played really well, where was he for three years? He should have been there. You know, and 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 there's other things with the the whole clever debacle late in the game and whether one thing or or another thing is right or wrong or could Todd Clever have helped us? Probably. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I want to I want to get into that because I, you know, I haven't really, you know, I, uh, I wrote something about it at the time, sort of straddling the fence between this thing and 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 I think um, really haven't hit Mike Tolkien on it partly because you wait to see how it works out. Um, the the uh, this, this obvious stuff that's going on is um, first of all, Scott Lavalla gets hurt, breaks his elbow before the the tournament that is a huge blow when your your best your first choice open side flanker goes down if you're any team and you know we talked about you know, there's a discussion about uh selections for England and how it undercut their their play and uh they didn't have a true open side in their team and that hurt them uh and uh you know obviously that was a huge blow it was also a, a perfect face saving opportunity for everyone if Tolkien had turned around and got Todd Clever back in the game, had he been in there, I think he would have made a huge difference. And I, I and I didn't think that, you know, four months ago, or whatever it was, three months ago, had he been in there, I think he made a huge difference because the USA offense was just stagnant for so much of that tournament. And I, my problem is not the, the effort level. I think that the players who go there put so much into it. I have the utmost respect for it. There's the sacrifice. Well, it's not sacrifices, but the choices they make and the difficult things they do um, are are laudable to the point that I kind of take issue, Pat, with your your implication that some of them might not be as motivated because they're not making any money on it. I mean, it's, well, I, I, that's why. Look, yeah. between you and Bruce, I, let me make myself clear because. What happens is you say something that's uh, maybe not the best uh, worded thing, and then a couple other people comment on it, and then all of a sudden you think that people aren't putting in an effort. That's not what I mean to say. But what what I do mean to say is focus is an absolutely massive thing in the game 
of not just rugby, but in, in the whole world of sports. And there's any number of things in the middle of a game that can take your focus from where it's supposed to be. And, and to, to, to imply that everyone has 100% laser focus at all times in every game is insane. I think all of us who've coached have had that guy who is incredibly talented but can't get focused to save his life. Uh, I'm not saying these guys were, were uh, there was a lack of effort or there was a lack of uh, desire or a lack of commitment, but those little moments of focus that can tear away at you at every game I think is larger when you're 0-3. And I was talking more about Japan in the vacuum than I was about the World Cup as a whole. I think those those moments of lack of focus are tend to be more frequent in a game when you're 0-4, and now you're starting to think about what what's life beyond this game. All right, not that's a, game. That's, no, that's a good point when you're wondering when your next mortgage payment's coming from, you know? You're wondering what you're going to do. I mean, I think that's fair. And I, that's been a struggle for American rugby players for years. Um, but but to go back to – I mean, to go back to Todd Clever, Todd Clever would have made um, – you know, all the players are giving their effort. Um, the coaches are trying. Everybody's trying to get something. But Todd Clever would have given a jolt to a offense that was, with some exceptions – just not firing and so in the end you look back at the decision the decision was a mistake now having said that team culture is everything and if team culture is falling apart because of one superstar player who is a major problem then maybe it's the right decision anyway but what i see is the player on the field todd clever uh, it was better offensively than anyone else wearing six or seven. Um, and, uh, you know, they needed him. I'm with you. I think that if you look at this World Cup, there are two decisions you look at, if you're, especially if you're looking at just Tolkien, and that is how did you address the South Africa game and, or the South Africa game and, and, and Todd Clever and should he be included or shouldn't he be? I don't know all the specifics of what happened. But based on the little information that I do know, I think Tom Clover should have been on the team. And based on what I know, which I think is the same as all of us, they shouldn't have fielded the team they did against South Africa. So looking at, at Mike Tolkien, and you make a million decisions as a coach, those two I don't agree with. And uh, I, I think I can say comfortably that everybody who's speaking on this podcast uh, has an absurd amount of respect for, for Mike and considers him, if not a friend, uh, would like to. Um, so I'm not trying to say anything too negative about Mike, but those two decisions, I think we can all disagree with, and, and I think we all do disagree with. The, well, save maybe Alex arguing a little bit over the South Africa game, but should Todd have been on the team? In my opinion, unequivocally yes, based on the information I have in terms of his, his dynamism on offense is just night and day better than any other back row we have, say Sam and Manoa. And then I think a back row... Um, you could have put together a pretty good-looking back row offensively, which we know a good-looking back row offensively can get you out of a lot of a lot of problems. Um, good, good, good-looking like handsome or good-looking like talented? Well, <laughs> talented. Yeah, because you know Todd's been outside a lot, and you know it's kind of weathers up his face a little bit. I will know. say that I thought I, I was critical of Alvin Farland's selection and definitely selection as a starter. I thought defensively, Al had a pretty darn good World Cup. You know, he he had a offensively, he didn't deliver much. He, he but had a pretty defensively, good. Defensively, I thought he had a good World Cup. He had a pretty good World Cup. Andrew Duratalo, especially against Japan, was very good. Um, but 
you know, we can go run down a few things. I'll tell you, Danny Barrett uh, energized that team when he went on against Japan. Cam Dolan, as I've been on record saying, was was terrific, and t- Cam Dolan was the best second row on the team uh, by a, a large margin, and he showed uh, against Japan that going on there, he he didn't detract from the scrum. It wasn't scrumming that was a problem. The, the, the USA scrum wasn't backpedaling when he showed up because Hayden Smith got hurt early. Um, I will say that, that the USA has played a lot of uh, top-tier nations where there have been a couple of guys missing. And so we you know somebody emails me or talks to me and says, well, we just played Scotland's B team or something like that. And we never notice when the USA is missing somebody. But missing Scott Lavallo was a huge blow. And missing Todd Clever, for whatever reason, was a huge blow. And not having the depth, it was clear they didn't have the depth, uh, sort of spelled something out to everybody that, um, you know, we need more international level players. So, Bruce, does it come back to something, I mean, I've written about this before, uh, Pat's written about this before, you've talked about it. Does it come down to Domestic competition isn't good enough. Um, number one, we the team played well for a half against South Africa, so they they were only down fourteen zip at half, and then and then they the wheels fell off. So that's do we have depth? I mean, are they that much different than anyone else? Could if if if, if the starting team was down fourteen nothing at halftime against South Africa, you'd You'd probably be saying, "Wow, what a great result!" And and we're we're forgetting that aspect of it all. And yes. you know, and and the uh, and the whole thing about Todd Clever and 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 Lavala missing. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's it is. It does definitely does hurt that they that they were missing, but. Every everybody has their things happening during the World well, Cup. Well, you know, okay, everybody has their things, but but U.S. fans are really harsh on this. They'll they'll notice someone missing on another team. They won't notice someone missing on the USA team. I and I, I think it's worth I saying I that it hurt them. I don't, I don't know that that's true. I think the U.S. the U.S. fans are probably a little bit more astute about their team than than anybody. Hey, look. We went into. We went into. I don't know what pool. fans you're talking to. We um, went in. We went into a pool that was favorable for a chance to make the quarterfinal. The fact is, it it didn't mean that we were going to make the quarterfinal. It's true. It just mean it's the only pool that we had a chance to do it, and then we started to get very optimistic about the fact that we could, and we played a Japan team that beat South Africa in the first round, so. And then we threw every single egg in the basket to beat them. And and we didn't beat Samoa and we didn't beat Scotland. We played not as well as we could have against Samoa. And we played admirably against Scotland for a little bit, but we didn't that put that nail in the coffin. I'm not saying nail in the coffin. We didn't put a a, a you know a spike into the uh into the coffin where the guy couldn't push it up a little bit or that easily at halftime when we dropped the ball. There were a couple of things that happened. There's a million reasons that you can win or lose. 
against South Africa, we essentially just said, you know, screw it, we're going to lose the game. And and they played tough. They really they, they, they exceeded all of our expectations. I don't care what you say. And every fan, everybody, given the team that was selected, exceeded the expectations for 40 minutes. You know what? I, I agree with you, and I think that it comes and, – and whether it's fair or not, I think what stuck in people's crawl was they were nailed. They were shut out. And had they scored a try, I think people would have shrugged and walked away. Look, if they had scored 25 in the first and 25 in the second or 32 in the first and 32 in the second, it'd be one thing. Well, you're down 14 nothing, and the entire second half is spent either watching a conversion or waiting for another conversion to come. That's pretty that's mind-blowing. Yes, we were 14-0, but that doesn't override of how bad the second half was. There's only so much amount of time in a game for scores and tries to be scored and 50-and-a-half is pretty high. I don't know how much more time there is on a clock or how, yeah. much many, how many more points you can allot in one half than I, 50. I wasn't criti- – I'm just telling you that a 14 nothing halftime score was something that could be, you know, that was, that was something that nobody expected. Given the team we had, it was something nobody expected. Yeah. Granted, uh, 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 we fell apart in the second half, but we were always going to fall apart in the second half. Well, I guess that's my question is that are, should we follow, you know, should we be expecting this? I mean, well, we should be expecting this, but we're, we're seeing players, teams fall apart in the second half. Do you even right, the best question. team? Yeah, I, wait, 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 get off this stuff. Okay. Did Why? we play Harlequins without their English players? Yeah, not having a game, not doing anything, and lose. Did we or not? Did, did I yes, forget that, that game? That is correct. You're did. Absolutely, we absolutely, absolutely right. lost that game. Am I, I all right? So I'm correct in saying that. And then, so now all of a sudden, we're going to beat South Africa. <laughs> Like now all of a sudden, no, no. Now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, yeah. we're going to beat Scotland, who beat Italy the same day we beat those guys by forty points. Uh, or we lost to those guys, but they beat Italy by forty points. Yeah, and and then that Samoa team, who a week or two prior to that, lost to the All Blacks by seven or eight, whatever the hell it was. And that, now all of a sudden, that this team that lost to the Harlequins. On home soil, when the Holocuns hadn't played or done anything, is now all of a sudden going to just, let's just forget everything, and, and the world just started that day. So, I, I, I'm just being realistic about <laughs> no, it. It's a, I'm, None, I'm, nobody I'm, on this channel. I'm not disagreeing with you. I think that's thought we were going to get to the like, Okay. Well, well, Maybe you have people on Facebook who are commenting on, on to you thought we were getting to the quarterfinal. You could go back and rerun the tape, but I don't think anybody in this panel thought we were getting to the quarterfinal. I, I, I don't think anybody's assuming that we, we thought the Eagles were all of a sudden a top 10 team when we weren't. Okay. So I, I get it. I get it. But all I'm saying is that, okay, that, that happened. That, it, it happened, we lost. But we were in a pool that we thought was favorable. All, anybody who would be a gambler, hey, look, England would have paid ten thousand pounds, ten million pounds to be in our pool. 
because they're going home and playing golf the same as our guys. And and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing: is I actually do think that the USA fan is pretty sophisticated, and I don't think people were expecting that they they could accept even an Owen four World Cup. I think it's more about what you see and and how it's done, and if you feel like the team is playing their kind of rugby and it's just not good enough, they'll accept that. I think that what I saw, and I think what a few people saw, was a team that was capable of playing their kind of rugby, but failed to do so. And I think that that's what bothers me, is that why is it that a team that wasn't really getting it together at the beginning of the year, or even last year, but was working towards something, was so agonizingly slow in getting there? Um... And, and, you know, is it the coaching or something? You know, I don't know. But the one thing that I think we might all agree with, I don't know, we'll see, is that at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of the, the, the season, July, all the talk was about the fact that the USA had one of the best buildups to the World Cup possible, that we could start being a grown-up international nation and not cobble together games but have a real series of games going into the World Cup, including a game against Harlequins. Um, in the end, Mike Tolkien decided to test out some players, look at some things, move some players around. Some of those moves were forced upon him, such as Samu Manoa not being available until late. But some of them he chose to make. And I think that in the end he would have been better served to essentially select his World Cup squad in the beginning of July and run that team through. That's why premiership teams beat teams like the USA. That's why uh, the build-up for some of these other nations is so good is because they're playing a really tough test match every two weeks. And Which the, is, U- by the, the way, USA what Bruce was calling for right, right, summer. and the and right, he was, and the USA, yes, the USA played a lot of games, but and I could go back, what was the lineup for those games? Who, what combinations played together all the time, and and that that I think was an error. And then right at the end, right at the end of the build up, there were some uh, drastic changes, and I think that. Um, whether you like what Greg Peterson did or you don't like what Greg Peterson did, I don't think he was a starting player and then suddenly he was. And suddenly Cam Dolan's on the sideline. So what did you do? Why did you spend all that time with Dolan on the team if you're doing that? Danny Barrett, the same way. Danny Barrett got flipped out at the last minute. It's kind of like you gotta you got to go with somebody at some point early, and they didn't. Speaking of, I don't want to have a go at Danny Barrett, but keep in mind who Danny Barrett is. Everybody, like this last year was the year of Danny Barrett. I was okay. No, it doesn't matter about him personally. It's about picking your team, and it's like if if it's not Danny Barrett, it should have been not Danny Barrett in July. That's all I'm saying. Fair, I guess. Danny's the type of guy who one game you're going to watch him and think Jesus. 
he's the next coming, he's the next biggest thing. The next game, you might watch him, like, I guess the Indian Bears not playing this day. Then you look down at the lineup and realize he was in the starting lineup. That was kind of his M.O. at Cal. And in sevens, it's the world where you just can't hide. If you hide, you're embarrassed. And you're embarrassed. So you can't hide. But in the world of 15s, even international 15s, and I don't mean, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Danny Barrett, but Danny Barrett is a guy who can disappear. If he's not making a gashing run or not making that thunderous hit, where is he? He could be disappearing in that moment like he did at Cal often. So, um, you know, just to say about Danny, because you mentioned Danny earlier, and I am one who said Danny could have helped this team in a lot of different ways playing more often. Right? Definitely dynamically, earlier at the beginning of the World Cup, I would have said Danny should have been selected over Al McFarlane. Towards the end, I tend to agree with Al being selected based on uh, his work rate. Um, and I don't think anybody's ever said Danny Barrett that work rate. Um, so, so just just to address but, but that, you're, but you're, miss, you're still. I understand all of that, and but it's it's irrelevant to the point. You're missing my point. My point is, you should have stuck with a guy at the beginning. I, and, and I I'm with your point, and, and, and I think and, I've been with your point for several months because the point is, we run, we, we have the ARC, we have the Pacific Nations Cup, and we every year that it, it, we, I say every year, this is the second World Cup I paid attention to, but in 2011 we had the same damn thing. Rose Sullivan wanted to see every beating uh-huh. heart. It was over six feet tall, play rugby because maybe there's this hidden gem he'd never seen. The reality is, you've had four years. If this guy's that big of a badass, you already know about him. So settle on your team and go with it. And Bruce and, was right earlier in the summer when he was more staunch about it, but I agree with you. Yeah, and, and, and it was a problem in 2007, and the only time it's not really been a problem was 2003. We go back to 2003, the USA team. Again, they only finished one and three. So it's not like they were the greatest team of, of, of all time, but they were still far and away the most successful World Cup team uh, in 2003. And they, they, had their, they knew their lineup for the most part. And that 2003 team had their starting number seven injured right before the World Cup. Uh, and they handled it, partly because of the way that the team was so settled. Okay, but I want to get back, Bruce especially, is it the domestic competition? When we bring people in, whether it's, you know, Al McFarlane or, uh, uh, well, I guess I already turned on now, uh, or Zach Fanolio, Phil Teal, or any of those players, Seamus Kelly, is the domestic game failing them so that there are all these little inconsistent things, maybe things we don't even notice are not getting done or happening? Uh, because they don't play very difficult games at home. No, the, the the thing that's failing them is the structure of the domestic game. It's not necessarily the domestic game or the domestic players. The domestic players have always been tough guys. They've been tough guys since day one. They've worked their ass off since day one. The 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 thing that has changed has been that we've had, got a fracture in college rugby, we have a fracture in high school rugby, and we have a fracture in men's rugby. So those three tiers of competition, we have no all-star competition, and we don't have a way to figure things out. Now, the ARC is basically send a bunch of foreigners to Canada and, and hope that some of them are good. And, and so... We can look and say that, but the reality of the situation is when you, when you, if you have destroyed your Super League, 
It was, and it was a systematic destroying of the Super League for for the quote unquote professional league that's been coming since 1998. Yeah. So let's, you know, we're calling a spade a spade here. College rugby has been completely fractured. They, they, there is no. There's the fall teams. There's the spring teams. There's the varsity cup. There's the D1A. There's the. It, it's a complete disaster. And engineered by who? Engineered by what? How many millions of dollars does this cost? And there you go. Now when you play somebody who is not completely screwed up, I'm sure that they have their own problems themselves, we beat ourselves. It's, It's the same thing that a coach will talk to his team about. It's not about... Whether or not you win or you lose, or you, you, what you, the thing you can't do is beat yourself. If you beat yourself, then you got to really do so much extra work to get ahead. The fact is that our structure and our politics has allowed us to beat ourselves. And that doesn't mean that, that the people who are in charge haven't been part and parcel to that. It certainly they have been, and we beat ourselves, and then when we got into a competition with people that we could beat or should beat or maybe, you know, and, and or whatever, we lost because we beat ourselves first, and then we went in with one hand tied behind our back, and that's the fact of the matter. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't rectify it. That doesn't mean that we haven't improved. We have improved. We haven't improved at the rate that other people have improved. We actually had some entertaining rugby. 2011, we didn't. 2007, we didn't. Outside of that, the tribe by Naguanya now had, suppose Naguanya was on the field when Scully intercepted that ball. Maybe Clever was on the field. And then, bam, bam, bam. And then, hey, man, game on. Deja vu all over again. 64 to 7, 64 to 5. But you get a trial like that. That the score of the South Africa game in two thousand seven was like sixty three seven or something. Yeah, sixty four seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, they scored I, two tries. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was still. I mean, it was still obvious. I mean, it was a bl- it was, massive blowout. Even either way, it was. Right? It, it was. We got the snot kicked out of us. So, like that, you you go there and like the great thing about rugby isn't like. The great thing about rugby is the memorable moments in the game. And a lot of the like a lot of the guys on the team are getting down on themselves and things like that and say, but they're forgetting that the fans are going there and how great was it to see the fans in their in their USA outfits and stuff and their hats on and they're just there to have a good time and enjoy themselves. They didn't go there with any expectations that we we're gonna win the damn World Cup. Or that we were going to beat South Africa, or even beat Scotland. They were hopeful. Didn't have an expectation of that. They went there and they see Mike Petrie with his family and his kids and taking pictures and stuff. And they see Steve Durant with all the guys on the team and 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 they see the guys going to the, to to do their charity stuff. Like that's what they see. That's what the World Cup is about. To say that the World Cup is about – it is about winning games. I'm not saying it's not about winning games. But the reality is, like, 
we ain't going to win the World Cup. So screw it, man. Just go there and have fun and do your thing. And I'm not saying drink and be an idiot. I'm just saying go there, have fun, do your thing, and 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 play the toughest, craziest rugby you can. And maybe you, you pick – look at Georgia. I think Georgia won two games, right? Yeah. It's pretty freaking amazing. Georgia's no prize. Georgia beat Namibia by one point. Right. You know? And which is, I mean, great. It was really fun to watch them, uh, but you know they battled. All, the the I I think you're right to a certain extent here, um, and and I think the players. If you play in a World Cup, you should enjoy every moment. And if you're a fan, have a great time and cheer your team no matter what. But in terms of that. but but in terms of analyzing stuff, there's some stuff that people want to see, and one of the things is they want to see them play all the way through. I think getting shut out by South Africa st- stuck what? in people's craw. And I realize it, it's it's not fair and it's not really logical, but if they had scored a fluky try, I think people would be happier about it. Right. But Even it, it wouldn't change anything, but they'd be happier. But we, we, we went there, we did our stuff, they had fun. Like, you, me, Pat, and some other people that we may be close to know a little bit more about what's going on just because we have access to be able to talk to people who are on the team or in or in the group or whatever and you you start to think you, you don't realize that hey man let's be realistic about this and let's just say let's enjoy this whole thing and i think that's what 99% of the people who are involved in this or who went to the games, and that's what they did. And we're sitting here being hypercritical of a bunch of guys who played pretty tough and didn't have a chance, and, and but they played pretty tough. And <laughs> they did. They did play pretty tough. And no, was, I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at they didn't have a chance. They did have a chance. I think when you take away the specter of the possibility of winning from sports, then it becomes something completely outside of athletics as we know it, definitely outside of American athletics as we know it. But, look, you're right. People who always the World Cup and dress up in star-spangled suits either, A, were related or knew somebody, and that's why they went, so Petri's family, or they, B, wanted to go to Europe to enjoy the World Cup, whether the USA qualified or not. So they weren't going for the World Cup. But there are plenty of Eagles fans back home who are staunch very educated, very, uh, you know, passionate fans of the United States national team who go to games for much more than a place to drink beer, who are upset. And and for them, I understand that, and that's okay. We need more of those people in order to move forward as a country. And and for them, look, I don't think we're being hypercritical by any means. I just think that we're being fair. And, 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 And to your point, Alex, I think the biggest thing of this is it's not necessarily that we didn't score against South Africa. It's that the, the the overall thought is by a lot of people that I've heard from is that we just gave up, that we didn't try. Now I know we put out a good team that put in a, put out a team of very good rugby players that put out a very good forty minutes by American standards. But the reality is it wasn't our best. So the fact that we basically conceded loss um, and didn't even try. I think is a bigger issue, and that's why people are pissed off. If we no, lost I, 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 nothing yeah, with I, our best, 
I, I think there would be a different sentiment. I understand people saying that. I, I'm never going to say that a player didn't try unless I have really good evidence for it. But I think I think they collapsed. I think I, they looked yeah. around and said, "What do we do now?" And that it didn't, um, it didn't fit. And That's and, 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 and I'll say, for, for example, I mean, picking Samu Manoa as captain of the team on that game was I, I actually think an inspired choice, and I'm really pleased for it. But why would you pick someone that you know you're probably going to take off after about 45 minutes, which is what they did? So that's kind of that's kind of weird. And why uh, and, would your vice captain not just be your standing captain if he's starting? Yeah, uh, just just one of those little one of those little things that comes through in terms of trying to manage those kinds of those kinds of games. I think that people wanted to see. I, I think people knew. Also, I knew. I think we knew that there are certain things that we're, the USA is capable of doing. And I think that people look on those little things. We talk about players from the United States. If if um, this is what Ed Haggerty used to say to me, the old editor of Rugby Magazine. He would say, hey, if we're going to lose, let's lose with, with Americans. Um, and it's difficult to get behind some players who uh, – um, and I'm speaking for you know fans and comments that I get uh, – players who didn't come up in the American system and aren't necessarily and aren't expected to contribute to the American system. So why do that? Um, Dan Payne said to me when he was started working at actually at USA Rugby, he said one of my goals is to make sure that somebody like Dan Payne never plays in a Rugby World Cup again, uh, and that would be uh, a hardworking, long-time club player who was pretty good and you know oh boy was he tough, but he's not an international player in the same vein. Yeah, and you know, uh, and, I, and and we still have Dan Payne's on the team. Only not as good as Dan Payne. You know, Dan Payne was a fantastic player. He's also he was a silver medalist in the Olympic Festival for wrestling in the heavyweight division. And Dan Payne is a fantastic athlete. His brother was a ten-year player in the NFL. He's a Hall of Famer on his high school team. Dan Payne was an unbelievable athlete, one of the greatest rugby players in America, one of the toughest guys that you could ever hope to have. The only thing Dan Payne didn't have is that he was a little bit short, and that's it. Other than that. Money, real seven, real tough guy, and he didn't think he was good enough. Nah, he's that's bullshit. He's talking <laughs> niceness. That's complete nonsense. The the one thing Dan Payne ain't lacking is confidence, and so <laughs> um, I'm just I'm calling bullshit on that. Okay. So anyway, so but that being said, we can't disparage the guys who went there. Just because they're not American, we can't disparage them for being there and working their ass off to get on that team, going there, taking months and months off of work to be able to do these things to be there. So they worked their butt off. That was our choice or our coaches' choices or however the hell we organized this. That that was our choice to be able to do that within the laws of international rugby, world rugby. What the hell you want to let, me, let me interject briefly, Bruce. Yes, I get a little bit annoyed by this. Because because I say that Matt Truville didn't, shouldn't have been selected, I'm not criticizing Matt Truville. Oh, I'm I criticizing know that. people that selected that. Matt Truville. Because I'm saying that we should have more Americans on the team, and this is all hypothetical here, right. I'm not saying, I'm not mad at the guys who aren't American to get selected. The people who 
cash a paycheck to make the selection. That's what we're criticizing. No, there's no... We're not there's, disparaging Alman. No, no, no. I, I know. I, I'm sorry. I know that. I, I, I was more talking about Alex, not you. Yeah. Um. All right. So, you know, the thing is where it's funny. And, I, we're, maybe, we're, and maybe we're splitting hairs. Yeah. We're, we are splitting hairs. We're, we're disagreeing when we're agreeing, which is fine. Um, <laughs> Say we agree. And, and, you know, the, the whole domestic thing, it comes down to the play. The players aren't prepared for international rugby, in my opinion, because the domestic competition is not good enough, because it's been fractured, because it's been uh, not repaired, because there isn't a real viable all-star competition and there hasn't been one since they stopped it in 2007 and said we'll replace it with something better, and it never was. Uh, there should always be something to give players a real chance to work their way up. And I think that if we had a real pathway, uh, you know, the, the Collegiate All-Americans didn't play this year. If we had a real pathway in, which included competition, which USA Rugby is getting away from and talking more about training, then we would see that we would, we would see more players go into an international competition and not drop the ball on the try line and not get frustrated and go in from the side or you know, kick the ball out of someone's hands and get a penalty and a yellow card and not, you know, not miss it. It's not about missing tackles. I think there are a lot of players who made tackles. It's about not being there when the tackle is supposed to be made. And you uh, know what? Yeah. Australia had two yellow cards and was able to cope. Yep. The fact yep. of the matter is things happen, and as it, the domestic competition is certainly a part of it. The, the everything – hey, look, we have had a CEO whose number one role, number one goal was to destroy the domestic competition from Jump Street from day one. That was the goal, destroy it. Now it's destroyed. That's the fruition. Oh and four. That's the fruition of his goal. Because he didn't replace his goal with anything. So we're three million dollars into this shit. And here we are. Ten years at three bills a year. There you go. Yep. Yep. So for three million dollars, that's what you got. You got an effed up college, you got effed up high school, and an effed up men's team. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Under Mike Tolkien, USA has won 11 games. Tied one and, and, and uh, lost 22. But the teams they've beaten, uh, Georgia twice, Romania twice, Russia, Uruguay, Canada, Canada three times actually, and Japan. You go back to 2009 to 2011 under Eddie O'Sullivan. The teams they beat were Uruguay, Georgia, Russia, Russia, Canada, Uruguay, and Portugal. Under um, what's his name? Under Thorburn. Uh, Johnson was before Thorburn. I know. I, I ignored Johnson. Johnson was I, there. I, I know. Johnson was just a year, and who cares? Uh, under Thorburn, uh, Barbados, Uruguay, and Uruguay. And under Tom Billups, 2001 to 2000, the end of 2005, Spain, Spain, Japan, Russia, Canada, Uruguay, Chile, Japan, Romania, Canada, Uruguay, Canada. So basically, the last 15 years, the USA has, when they win, they would be beating the same teams. The teams you don't hear mentioned, um, 
even the, the likes of Samoa, Fiji, Tonga. Uh, let's you know, forget about Tier One, Italy, stuff like that. And they played those teams, and they didn't beat them. And sometimes it's because they selected down, or sometimes they were a little bit unlucky, really close with Samoa so many times. Um, but we're not seeing a change in where the United States is is in the pecking order. Much. A little bit improvement here sometimes. Beating Canada is great. Beating Japan once this year, great. We're not seeing that, that leap. And And what I'd like to do is... I, I want something to happen and forget about recruiting NFL players, you know, fine. Let's 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 call right now for some kind of domestic competition that actually tests players so that when they get to the international level they're better. They're more attuned, they're more able to handle difficult situations. And right now we don't have it. And I'm hopeful that the Six Nations thing that's coming in the spring will help. If that lasts longer than two years, I'll be shocked. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're going by history there. History is certainly prompting uh, that conclusion, and I can't. uh, Well, I'm trying to figure out who's going to pay for all these people to fly over, you know, these different mountain ranges and continents to play each other. And I don't. So far, no one's told me who's going to pay for that. So I don't really see it lasting very long. Well, Rugby World Cup 2015 is going to make a lot of money, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Well, they might just invest in another D1A, and so we can craft that five hundred thousand dollar dollar drain or yeah, whatever the number was. Okay. So I, I, I just feel like Bruce is right that we shouldn't really kick the team quite so much that the, the guys work really hard, and there are some really good players in there, some players that I was pretty excited about. Um, but, I, but I also think that there's not really a system. And we talked about, we talked about Mike Petrie and who's behind him, and, and there's not really a system to do that. And we didn't really talk about um, the fact, well, what I was trying to get at with the idea of getting using the World Cup as a reward for a journeyman player who's getting long in the tooth rather than using the World Cup to get some guy, three or four guys who are 20 years old, and get them in there now. Um, I, w- I would rather see Hanko Hermeshes and Ben Sima and uh, Valdemar uh, Lilo, and people like that get a shot than some of the players who went to the World Cup. Nothing against them personally. I'm just thinking about philosophically what I would do. And Todd Clever's first World Cup, he didn't play at all, but he was 20 years old. And uh, that's that should have been done more often. Well, I'll tell you what I number one, you play every game like you know. You play every game, every test match, every game is the thing you want to win. We're sitting here and we're 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 banking our whole world on four on, on four games that we're gonna have every four years. Until we start to bank everything we do on every game we're playing, we're not going to have any success in those games in four years. Because what happened? We had a new fly half. We had new centers. We had a new offensive system. We had a new defensive system. 
we dropped our captain and we had our line out leader get hurt. And that put us into a, 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 a kind of a disjointed thing. And then we got a new captain. So and I'm not saying that any of that was wrong, right, or anything. I'm just saying that that's what happened. And we had a new seven. And because of that, we didn't have, we, we didn't have the cohesion needed to win. Now, if we had treated every single test match like something we're going to try to win, every time we go on the field, that's how you get scalps. If you sit and you worry about these four games and then stuff like that happens, stuff like, hey, you got to drop your captain, whether or not that's right or wrong, I, I personally may not have done that, but I'm also not privy to what happened. So I don't know why that happened. And then you lose your 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 lineout man. And then your lineout isn't functioning. Your scrum functions a little bit better than it, than it had in the past. And you got a new fly hat. There's a there were a lot of things that happened there. There was a lot of change. And I'm just saying that we can't be playing for World Cups. Until we're going to win it, don't play it. Play to win every game, and whatever happens in the World Cup happens, and nobody cares. And and if you do that, chances are when you get to the World Cup, you'll be ready to rock. I'm not a big believer in playing 20-year-olds. The same reason I'm not a big believer in these 25-year-old referees. They haven't invested shit. When you invest something and it's hard to lose it, you don't give anybody a cap. Same as you don't give referees games. You you make people earn stuff so that when they go on the field, they're not going to be given up easy. If you work your ass off, you don't give up that easy. You fight through pain. And you could see in some of those games that there were people who didn't fight through pain. There were people who were walking 30 seconds into the game. So there's stuff that needs to be changed. And whether or not we need a domestic competition or whatever the hell we need, I don't know what the hell we need. I, I, I think personally what we need to do is just – have guys play rugby for fun and enjoy what they're doing. It's like a job for a lot of people, and it's not fun. And everything's about if I don't get to be an eagle, then I'm quitting. Like, well, if you're going to quit so damn easy, you don't deserve to be an eagle, bro, because you give up easy. Well, who the hell you? Who the hell are we gonna beat with you? You want to give up that easy? Every great eagle's been dropped. Louis Stanfield's been dropped. Mike Petrie's been dropped. Todd Clever's been dropped. Brian Doyle's been dropped. Dave Hodges didn't become an eagle. He was almost thirty. You know, everybody's had to deal with their hardships. 
So all these guys who think like, oh, I didn't get it. He doesn't like me. This Go stuff it where the sun don't shine. What we got to start doing is creating people who love playing, love playing in club games, love playing in rep games, and give them some opportunities to go play and enjoy themselves and love rugby for what it is. It seems like everything's everybody's always looking over the shoulder. What's the next thing better for me? What's the next thing better for me? How about just enjoying what the hell you're doing, man? That's what the Rugby World Cup was about. That's what all these guys were. Like, people going there and you see these people so proud of the effort that these players are putting in. Because that they love rugby. They may not be great players and maybe never were. But they love it and they respect all this stuff. And, and I think that our, our players, even our elite international players, don't see the fact that they're revered by a lot of these people who who go to these things and say, but they've never had... I said to Petri when he first got dropped, and Brian Doyle too, that you think you're letting all your friends down. Meanwhile, like you've won several caps, played in rep sides, and won national championships. You've had a better career than anybody that you know before the age of like 25. And this isn't the time to give up. This is the time to press harder. And that's what I'm not getting. Like we're sitting here acting like, hey, let's just create a love of this crap. And and now everything's about goddamn money. Like we got this professional, like oh, what the hell is it? The the for profit? For so we lose millions of dollars up until now, and now all of a sudden the all blacks come and we're for profit. I'm sure that when we lose money, it's gonna be it's gonna be put on the people who pay SIP. And when we make it, it's gonna be given to people who own that company. That's a joke. That's a joke. And and it's it's sickening for people who've been involved in real like us, like me, for 30 and change years, and, and watching people who haven't done F all take money from the grassroots of our game. And then talking nonsense about how they're helping grassroots. Bullshit. You know they're bullshit. So why don't we just sit back and let's take our game back. And then we'll win. Take your game back, galvanize our country, and then you win. That's how Argentina did it. That's how England did it. That's how New Zealand does it. That's how Wales is doing it. That's what Checker did in Australia. Take your game back, galvanize your country, and you can win. We haven't done that. We are just, we have just been, we're garbage. And and the way we're being run is garbage. And until we fix that, and until we take our game back, until we fight for what's ours, 
we're screwed. It's been a decade of being screwed. And now we are, this is the fruition of it. This is it. This is what it is. Oh, yeah. Throw up second team in against 90,000 people who paid their bill to go to that game. That was like 90,000 people turning up at a preseason football game. I don't know if that's more James Earl Jones feel the dreams or Clint Eastwood in that movie where he stands on his porch and yells at Asian kids, but it was one or the other, and it was epic. I kind of thought it was a guy from Network, but uh, usually try to wrap this up with a conclusion. I'm not sure if I have one. Uh, it's pretty open-ended. Um, I, you know, We're proud of our Eagles, and uh, there are some really phenomenal players out there. Uh, it is a shame that uh, um, we didn't see all of them out there, and we hope that uh, Todd Clever continues to play well, and we hope that uh, Scott Lavalle recovers well. I have a, I have a lingering well. thought. Yeah. And since we've had a lot of lingering thoughts, let me finish. Mine is the people construe sometimes what we do, and probably most of you and Alex, what I do, as being critical of, of individual people or critical, overly critical of an organization or this idea. USA rugby has its time. American rugby, through the the natural inertia and momentum of what's going on, will eventually be fantastic. Eagles will eventually narrow the gap, just like soccer has, and be able to beat teams and win scalps. Soccer can beat Germany. Eventually, we'll be able to beat a team like Scotland and, and maybe South Africa. And it's time will come. But what budges that timeline up, what shrinks the timeline, is by people not accepting that there's a timeline. By people saying, I don't want to wait until it's our turn, until we have X amount of people playing, until our kids are playing at X amount of age. Right? So kids are saying, since they're playing at an average age of, starting to play at an average age of 18 now, and, and, and the experts say they need to be starting to play at an average age of 12. The people that are playing right now that started at 18, them saying, I'm not going to wait past my generation. The people that want to bump that timeline up and don't accept what's happening now are the ones that make that timeline shorter, that make our time come sooner than later. And I'm, I'm not saying that by me you know, blabbing about a player here or there, or a coach here or there, is, is, is making us better as a nation. But that mindset of let's not wait for the future let's win now and not wait for later is ultimately a positive thing. And I think that's worth keeping in mind if you were criticizing somebody who you don't think deserves criticism or criticism, criticism and so on. Yeah. I used to work for a company that was founded by a man who, uh, his, uh, his motto was if eventually, why not now? And, uh, you know, Sometimes we gotta light a fire under some stuff, but we, you know, we 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 like our 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 eagles. We don't, you know, contrary to what some people think, we don't actually have it in for individuals. Um, some some player plays well, he's going to be. We're going to say he plays well, and if he plays poorly, we're going to say he plays poorly. And uh, you know, I say something nice about someone, and their dad emails me and says, "Hey, thanks for that." And it's like, well. It's it's just as accurate, or it's, it's, in my mind, it's, it's just as honest for me as if I said he flubbed it. So um, we flub it, we make mistakes, we try and pick ourselves up, and we keep going because American rugby players are nothing if not resilient. And, and I guess uh, in the end, that's what it is. So uh, 
Rugged Matrix America brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions. And check out RuggedMatrix.com and iTunes where you can see all the old Rugged Matrix America where you can listen to them. You can't see them because this is an audio podcast. And uh, make sure you check out Golf Rugby Report for Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. This is Alex Goff thanking you for listening to Rugged Matrix America. Mm-hmm.